All right, welcome into episode two of the Fantastics Insider Football Show. It's a new podcast. I'm Dan Claskins, one of your co-hosts, along with my friend James Adams. And we are getting you ready for your fantasy football drafts. That's what we do. We help you win. We help you draft better. And go to insiderfootball.com right now. You can get all the tools you need to win, including the Draft Advisor, where we're offering up a complimentary free trial for you to go check it out. And uh, here in this podcast, we're going to be talking rookies today. And we're excited to have the podcast. You listen to myself and James on weekend morning, Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. Now, you can get us anytime you want. You can listen at insiderfootball.com on all of our social channels. You want to follow us at Fantistics on Twitter. And of course, uh, as we get our feed out there and into more of these uh, different distribution channels, we'll hope to be wherever you listen real, real soon. And James, it's exciting to be. We already have one episode in the books, kicking off this second episode. And I don't know. I, uh, sometimes I feel like the two of us could uh, talk football in our sleep. And sometimes that's what it feels like when they make us spend extra days together doing this podcast. Sometimes... I've heard I do talk football in my sleep. Yeah, is that what yeah. I mean? Is that what your girlfriend's telling you? I mean, yeah, she said the other night I just yelled ball in the middle of nowhere, and then I just <laughs> dove in front of the dog, and I don't remember it, but whatever. Oh my god, let's change the subject. <laughs> We're already getting way off track because, believe it or not, we got a topic today. The topic's going to be rookies. We'll get to that in a minute. If you missed episode one, you want to go back and listen to that. New faces, new places. We went through every major player you need to know from a fantasy perspective on a new team. But uh, I'm really looking forward to diving into the rookies today. And all month long, we're going to dive into even more of our podcast. We're going to do 10 preseason podcasts, a couple week, all August, a couple per week, all August long. And then once we get to September, we actually have some uh, bigger plans. But basically, the, the gist of it is we're going to check in with you at the beginning of the week, help you with waiver wire and, you know, taking that first look at what lies ahead. So, Really looking forward to that. Glad you decided to listen today. Hope you keep listening all season long as we guide you towards that championship. And James, let's get into this rookie class as a whole. Now, for the purpose of today's episode, we'll talk a little bit of Dynasty, but we really are just talking specifically what we can expect in the first year out of these players, mostly. And this year's classic quarterback, probably deeper than we're used to seeing, and man, are you talking about some high ceilings on these guys? Now, we all know their futures probably look bright, you would hope. But let's talk about out of the gate here, and let's talk about the guy right at number one overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft, and Trevor Lawrence, who will all in likelihood be the QB1 in Jacksonville, just not in week one, but for years to come. Yeah, I mean, their hope is he's going to be the QB1 until, I don't know, till they move into Wembley Stadium or wherever they're going to play in London at some point. I don't know. I'm just joking, but I I would I'd be willing to bet that they're probably hopeful he's going to be their quarterback longer than they're still in Jacksonville. And look, I mean, teams were tanking for Trevor like before he was ineligible to join the draft. The conversation has been waiting on this kid, the four-year starter at Clemson, or, or not four-year, but started every year at Clemson. Abs- I mean, he's just a stud from top to bottom. He's basically been the kid that people have been waiting on since his freshman year of college. And unlike a lot of other players, he held up to that hype. He held up to that pressure. So it makes you kind of think there's no reason to expect anything other than a continued performance of excellence from him. What do you think about Urban Meyer coming into the college ranks? And I mean, obviously, the lore of knowing he was going to get Lawrence as the first round pick had a lot to do with him as well as his Florida ties heading back to Jacksonville. But 
I guess I'm not questioning him as much uh, in Trevor Lawrence as I'm trying to figure out, like, is this going to be, we've seen so many college coaches that had this big pedigree come in and fail. So I think that's where my skepticism lies. I feel Steve Spurrier vibes with Urban Meyer. I don't know if his shtick will work in the NFL. I honestly, uh, I'm, I was surprised he took the NFL job. He had kind of done his thing twice in college. He must really believe that he can get it, jo- it done. And like you said, the allure of having Trevor Lawrence waiting to be handpicked as your, as your quarterback to build around makes it an easy choice if you're thinking about doing it. But to be honest with you, I got to see it happen first. I, I don't know. I got Steve Spurrier vibes. That didn't go great for Washington. Yeah. Well, I think there's something in between awesome and Steve Spurrier. Maybe he finds his way into there. But definitely, uh, I think that's where my only uncertainty. As far as Lawrence coming out of the gate, though, uh, I mean, he's clearly the rookie quarterback, I think, that's going to not just make the biggest long-term impact, but the most immediate impact for many of the reasons you've already laid out. And I'll, I'll tell you, I'll take it a step further. I think Lawrence is a guy that probably has the highest ceiling of any quarterback that we've seen in some time drafted number one overall. I mean, Andrew Luck is probably the most recent comparison that comes to mind. I mean, when you get a surefire thing there at number one, and nothing against Joe Burrow, and he, he came out strong last year, and obviously we're Bengal fans living here in Cincinnati. Injuries derailed what could have been something special. But I'm really excited about his career, so I don't have a problem taking him in redraft leagues, but he's still more of a high-end QB too. Right. I mean, he's definitely not a guy that you're going to uh, overextend yourself for. And speaking of overextending themselves, that's exactly what the San Francisco 49ers did, giving up a slew of first round picks to move up to number three, which they immediately grabbed Trey Lance. And I mean, James, they're already talking about training camp, the things that this guy's doing. Now, Kyle Shanahan did go on the record here on Monday of this week and said, that he doesn't plan on giving any first-team reps to Lance anytime soon, that Jimmy Garoppolo is in that role right now. But at some point, that pressure could emerge. And, I mean, Lance, I mean, he only played in FCS level only 17 games. And here's a guy that last year, he only completed 15 to 30 passes for 149 yards against Central Arkansas, for crying out loud. Right? I mean, (laughs) I'm just looking at these game logs. And now – they were only he was only twenty when they drafted him, and it, we've never seen a twenty-one-year-old quarterback have success in this league. So he's so raw, he's so young. I get the talent, and it, it is there. And if you actually watch film on the guy or go to YouTube and check his out his highlight reel, you can see real quick what everybody's excited about. And, and he, James, here's the stat that stuck out for me the most. Now, granted, it, it's just at the level we talked about, but twenty-eight touchdowns zero interceptions and has one full season at North Dakota state. So to me, that shows a guy that is capable of making good decisions. Takes care of the football. That's a huge thing in the NFL. Sometimes it's not every throw that you can make. It's not every play you can make. Cause sometimes, I mean, we talked about it, uh, the last podcast when we talked about Ryan Fitzpatrick is sometimes there are good mistakes versus bad mistakes. And, you know, sometimes an interceptions, not as, punitive as it is it always is 
If Lance is not turning the ball over, that's always a good thing, right? That's always a good thing. So that's very interesting. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how he develops. I know that there's been a few Trey Lance's wowing folks at training camp. Let's get pads on. Let's do it against another team before I get too excited. I mean, that's the talent that he was supposed to have taking it there. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if this 49ers team is ready to compete to win this year, which they feel like they're built to do with Trey Lance at quarterback. So It'll be very intriguing. He's certainly the answer sooner than later, but I'm not going to be shocked if it's not Garoppolo with an easy game against the Lions. I assume it to be easy. An easier game against the Eagles, a team that wasn't too bad. Like, if I'm the Niners and I'm trying to get off on the right foot, I'm I'm doing it with Garoppolo in those games. Yeah, and inside the draft advisor currently, Lance is actually the fourth-rated quarterback in the class. Two guys above him on the list, including – a guy I think is equally uh, as exciting in terms of a ceiling potentially, and that's Justin Fields, who we project as a rookie this season inside the Draft Advisor tool as the second best rookie in the class for the purposes of 2021 production and what we expect to happen this year. Fields, James, he slipped all the way to the 11th, the Ohio State Buckeye there. And I mean, he came in a pretty passer friendly scheme, averaged a sack every 12 pass plays, though, worse than any other quarterback selected with a top 15 pick in the last 10 years. So, we know that uh, we know that that doesn't translate well into the pros. Just look at Daniel Jones; he had some pretty eye popping metrics in that regard too. But Fields brings that rushing ability. Here's a guy that uh, you know can get it done on the ground when he needs to. And I think there's enough things in that passing game. Has the weapons in a Ro- uh, Allen Robinson as well as Darnell Mooney. So he's got to beat Andy Dalton, and most of us think that's going to happen in the first few weeks of the season. If he does, then this guy is probably a a player that's going to help people win some high weeks, maybe some DFS things. But is he ever going to get to a player this season, even if it takes a while to develop to where he's locked in as a QB one? Maybe. I mean, Jalen Hurts did it last year, right? At the very end of the year, he was a QB one because of that running game, of his own running game. So very likely, um, as I... As I look at these rookie quarterbacks who may or may not start the season, like we assume Lawrence just will from day one, look at some of these other guys. I like to look at the schedule. And, uh, you know, when we're doing the show on SiriusXM, Bennett Carroll had pointed out that the Rams are the first opponent. And maybe it's not who you want to throw fields to. His next two opponents are the Bengals in Chicago, the Browns in Cleveland. I don't know if there's anything to it, but he comes from Ohio State. Would he make his debut in the NFL against one of those two Ohio franchises? Interesting. Interesting indeed. I Probably think, will. Yeah. I think you just hit a, a interesting thought in general fantasy strategy that I don't think enough fantasy owners do, and that is look at that early season schedule. You're talking about these position battles, some of these different things going on. Uh, you know, That's a situation that often look at what that early road looks like. I know a lot of people don't like to put too much emphasis on the schedule, but there's good reason to do so in some cases. And I think you just laid out a perfect example of what that looks like. For me, I think Fields is in a good spot. I expect him to have some fantasy value this year. I'm still not inclined in most one QB regular, just you know, 16 round leagues to, to emphasize taking him to whereas Trevor Lawrence, I think, is an automatic player that will still be drafted in that league, maybe as a QB too for teams that wait on it. I don't think Justin Fields necessarily has to be because Honestly, in a lot of those formats, I don't think you go much deeper than 20 quarterbacks. And I think he's just on the fringe of that top 20. 
Would you rather have him in a season-long league, Baker Mayfield, Ryan Fitzpatrick, or Daniel Jones? Mm-mm-mm-mm. I guess Ryan Fitzpatrick, but they're quite frankly all within each other. On draft day, it would be Ryan Fitzpatrick because I think if you draft Fields, you may cut him because you're getting no return on a bench spot. Bye weeks come in, so if he doesn't start the first couple of weeks, you turn to him. Baker, I mean, I don't know, man. They're gonna, they want to run the football so much that uh, I think the answer is Ryan Fitzpatrick, but gosh, they want to run the football too. Like, we're, I'm trying to find the upside. The upside's Fields. Yeah, it is interesting. It is interesting. I mean, you start looking at those tiers, and that's what the decisions you have to make, though. Do you want to reach for a guy that might not even be starting for a couple weeks to start the season? Does his upside outcome those? Baker Mayfield is a guy that uh, is grouped in there with Fitzpatrick and Daniel Jones. All those guys are guys that I just dream of this upside, and I often get left with the floor. So Mm. where does Zach Wilson fit in all this? I know the Jets, I mean, in terms of job security, opportunity, everything's checking the box there. The Jets are trying to add some weapons, but they still, as much as they're trending in the right direction with the new staff and some of the new additions, Seemingly, they're still a year or two away from putting it all together. Zach Wilson, he's going to get a lot of starts this year. But even in a super flex league, is he a guy that can be a QB2? Like, basically, am I asking it? Do you view him as a top 24 fantasy quarterback? Yes. But I don't know if I view him as a top 20 quarterback. So you are talking about the very fringe, the very edge of a starter in super flex. The job security, right? He's going to get plenty of chances to make mistakes. The fact that they put in, a, they invested in their O line. So, you know, you expect it to be much better than what they put Sam Darnold behind when he failed miserably there. Uh, so, yeah, I think so. I mean, they're going to have to play catch up with the Bills. I don't think that there's going to be a ton of points to be had because you're talking about a rookie running back, probably. I mean, I think Coleman gets the start early, but. Rookie running back who's got to figure it out, and that's more than just figuring out how to hit the hole. Got to figure out how to protect Zach Wilson if you want the talent in there. You've got rookie receivers. You've got Corey Davis coming in from a new organization. You've got a whole new offense coming in. So there's a whole lot of negatives here for Zach Wilson, but the leash will be very long. And for that, I think he basically is just inside the top QB2 range, uh, the top 24. Yeah. I'm feeling it too, man. Uh, and that's exactly about where we project him with our fantastic draft advisor as just inside that QB2 range. We're projecting officially at the moment, at least 590 attempts for 4,055 passing yards, 23 touchdowns, but 13 interceptions, a 61.3 completion percentage four 300 yard games. He's got an A minus schedule, so that's favorable, but the D offensive line of concern, especially for a rookie here. And, not a ton, uh, like I said, not a not a ton of just proven commodities there. You mentioned it before. I mean, with Corey Davis is sort of the veteran receiver. He's a newcomer too, but a lot of young guys that haven't, you know, while they have potential, just haven't got it done yet. So it could be a little rough at times, but I, I do think the future's bright for the Jets, and I think Zach Wilson's definitely part of it. Mac Jones, another rookie, I think that worth mentioning. New England took him with the 15th overall pick. Nick Saban telling uh, his buddy Bill Belichick, hey, this kid's worth it. I mean, he was being even rumored there when the 49ers moved up for Trey Lance. Some of them thought maybe it was Mac Jones. So his stock sort of took a rise. Definitely we saw what he did at Alabama last year, finishing with the higher pa- highest passer rating in college football history. 
definitely has good feel for recognizing when the ball needs to go, delivering it on time. His accuracy is pretty good. Checks a lot of boxes. From a fantasy perspective, though, James, doesn't offer a ton of rushing floor, and he's in a position battle with the incumbent, Cam Newton, who just is on a one-year deal, so New England's not married to him. But how do you see this quarterback battle breaking down as the season progresses? Belichick had kind of, I think, said that Cam's the starter. And he also said that nobody keeps their starting role from last year. So he gave you classic Bill Belichick coach speak, but kind of said Cam's the starter, or at least said the rookie better earn it first. I think Cam's going to start this year. I think that Belichick um, expects to win, right? This isn't a dude who's going to lay down and try to get an early round pick. Even yeah, He didn't do it last year. I don't think he's going to do it this year. Jones will get in when Jones deserves to get in, when he's the player that gives the team the best chance to win this year. Belichick's, I'm guessing here, he's like 65, around that age, right? So he's not playing for four or five years down the road. He wants to win right now. He's got like the greatest all-time winning percentage. I, again, don't know that's a fact, but I'm pretty sure that that's accurate or it's very close. Like He's not messing around by taking some lumps anywhere. He wants to win every single game. And I think off the rip, it's probably Cam Newton who offers him that, but we'll see. Yeah, very well said. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes. Uh, I'm rooting for it to happen. Uh and I think that New England, I, I, while I think Mac Jones could be good for them, I just don't think it's going to be an offense that really yields a lot of fantasy excitement in the passing game. So even if he does take the job, I mean, it could be not what fantasy owners hope for, but a situation to monitor nonetheless. We'll also be monitoring a few other young quarterbacks. The Texans, early in the third round, chose Davis Mills. And depending on what happens with Deshaun Watson, Tyrod Taylor, the only thing in front of him, I got to imagine if Watson does move on from Houston or doesn't play this year, eventually the team gets a look at this guy because they're mm-hmm. going to have another high pick uh, next year, assuming they didn't trade them all, which mm. they did quite a few. You also have Kellen Mond in the Minnesota. Uh, he was picked up early in the third round. Could he be Kirk Cousins' replacement? Time will tell. And maybe Tom Brady's eventual successor was drafted in this draft as well with Kyle Trask. Um, here's a player that, uh, you know, when you're throwing the ball to Kyle Pitts in college, it, it does help the numbers a little enough, but I think he's more of a career backup if you ask me. James, let's move on to the running backs. That's what all the fantasy owners really want to talk about here. And man, do we have some pretty exciting players to talk about. And we'll start with the guy that our Fantastics Draft Advisor is super excited about and uh, and many other fantasy owners alike, that's Najee Harris, the first running back that's off the board in most of our dynasty drafts we've been in. This guy's not like super elite. I mean, he's not coming out of here like, you know, the blue chip just can't miss stud. But he definitely has the look of being a guy that could be an every down back. He, he landed in a great system in Pittsburgh where, you know, they need to run the football. They want to run the football. The problem is, will they be able to run the football? That offensive line grade inside of our Fantastic Draft Advisor, a big fat F. And um, it's not looking like it's getting better anytime soon. Ben Roethlisberger is like 137 this year. Um, so I don't know, James. Not Najee Harris, uh, a good back on a, in a good system. But it's not a mortal lock that the Steelers themselves are going to be a good football team. It is not. Um, I was actually talking with my brother earlier today, and I said, if the Bengals aren't the worst team in the division, now it's the Steelers, because this division, the AFC North, is very good. Uh, you're right. I don't know if the Steelers are going to be a great football team. I would project them to be the third best team in the division. But Harris is going to have plenty of volume. So 
and the Steelers could be the third best team in the division and still win eight games, nine games. Harris is going to get a ton of volume. I expect to see him catching the ball. He's definitely going to be running the ball a ton. So he may not have the elite game breaker skills that Saquon Barkley or Zeke Elliott brought into the NFL, but he gets he gets something that they both had when they came into the NFL too, and that's that's a backfield to themselves completely. And that in itself is a very valuable thing in fantasy football if you assume he can stay healthy for the whole year. Yeah. And inside our Fantastics Draft Advisor software, we pull in many real-time sources of ADP. I'm looking at the blended ADP right now, a mid-second round pick. We're projecting him to be more of an early second round pick in value. So not that you're going to get a steal on the guy. But if he comes your way within the first 15 or so picks of the draft, that's where the Draft Advisor thinks his production is going to end up. The official projection currently, 1,121 yards, 255 carries. That's 4.4 yards a carry. We're calling for eight touchdowns, 46 catches, 388 yards, and a pair of receiving touchdowns. So you get him in there in that tier with your Austin Ecklers, your Nick Chubbs, your Gibsons, your Dear Dobbins, you know, wherever you're at with you know those guys. Maybe even your Joe Mixons fits into there. I don't know. Everybody's a little different on all these backs, but I think if you want Najee Harris, you're going to have to get him inside those first 15 picks, James, because he doesn't seem like he's slipping in too many drafts these days. Let's no. move Let's move along to some of the other backs in the class. And the next guy on my list uh, coming out, at least, in, into the league uh, was Travis Etienne. And he was interesting that he ended up with Trevor Lawrence as a, as a second first-round pick there in Jacksonville. And Etienne is... I don't know for season long if I'm going to say I like him better than the next guy we'll talk about with the Broncos, Javante Williams. But in PPR leagues, I just might. And I think he's going to have an interesting role. And a lot of this goes back to our Urban Meyer discussion, right? I mean, one thing we know about Urban Meyer, the dude loves speed. He's obsessed with it, right? And you look at his Florida and his Ohio State teams, and he was thrilled with it. I mean, if you remember Percy Harvin, Curtis Samuel, I mean, ETN's that type of playmaker. And I think that's how Urban Meyer wants to use him here. And uh, it's interesting. Everybody's talking about James Robinson as this big hurdle to ETN. But is he really? I mean, the guy did do well. And I know fantasy owners remember how great of a pluck he was off the waiver wire. And if you were in a late draft, maybe you took him there. But at the end of the day, Urban Meyer didn't take him. Urban Meyer didn't take him. Jacksonville spent a six-round pick on him. Urban Meyer took Travis Etienne. The organization spent a first-round pick on him. So I'm not as concerned. And I I think Robinson is a guy that could be phased out of here. I mean, they also have Carlos Hyde in the mix. Not to say that he's going to dominate, but I think he's going to have somewhat of an even limited role here. So the problem with Etienne is the touches and what goes there. But if they use him in the passing game like I expect, I think in PPR leagues, as does our Fantastics Draft Advisor, you're, that you could be looking at a back-end RB2 in PPR setups. And he's lasting now in the blended ADP to almost the end of round five. And we think he should be going more at the end of round four. So I'm not going to reach for Travis Etienne. But if he falls to me past that point of the draft, I'm going to be feeling pretty good about it. Is Carlos Hyde just the running backs coach, the way Tim Tebow's the quarterback's tight ends coach now? <laughs> Coming from like the old college system, uh, it's, that's the only thing I could really imagine Hyde. So it is between ETN and uh, Robinson. And, and I mean, you're right. Robinson was awesome last year with a ton of volume. He's going to get some touches, but I'm completely with you. I think ETN usurps that role immediately as the starter there. 
And again, it's like most every other back that's backfield in the NFL, minus about five or six. It's going to be a shared venture. But ETN, as you point out, will be the guy that catches the ball. And Robinson did catch the ball, for what it's worth. He had about 400 yards receiving or so close to it last year. So it's not as if he was incapable. But Jacksonville's going to stink. They're going to be throwing the ball in the second half a lot, if not already in the first half, down by a bunch. And ETN will be there happily taking those receptions from somebody he's already got a rapport with. And I don't think it's a stretch to say that there is a real uh, tangible aspect to the fact that ETN has been in the backfield with Lawrence, not from handing it off, not from throwing it to him, but the fact that I would assume Lawrence has a bit of trust with ETN from the pass pro uh, perspective as well. And they're gonna, he's going to know, you know, they're going to have these eye signals, head, head nods that say, hey, you know, pick up that inside stunting back. That's a real thing, I think, here that's going to be a factor that's going to benefit ETN's playing time. No doubt about it. Let's move on to Javante Williams. Denver Broncos took him. Obviously, Mo Gordon, or excuse me, Melvin Gordon in the picture there. Hasn't been the best offseason for Melvin Gordon. And, and, and in, in addition to all of his off-the-field drama and, and problems, which don't appear to be lingering too much over his playing status, he didn't show up for OTAs. And on top of that, you're looking at a Williams player here that, I mean, Denver moved up to grab him. So they saw him there. They wanted him. They gave up some draft capital to get him. And they clearly liked him enough to trade him. And, and so far, so good. This guy's ADP's soaring right now. And uh, I think James, he's going to have a role. It might be a split committee role or something along those natures. But he's going to have a role right out of the gate. And I expect him to make an impact. Now, the question is, is how much of a role will Melvin Gordon maintain as the season goes on? Because he's not going to go away. I mean, maybe eventually he will go away and maybe who knows, maybe, maybe it ends up being a situation where he's just sitting on the pine there. Cause they know he's not coming back next year and they're playing the hot hand, but I don't see the benefit of them from just completely moving away from this. Javante Williams though, is a guy that, uh, he, you know, here here he's going in the round five, or excuse me, uh, blended ADP around six. We're talking about fifth round value. I see him going more in the leagues I'm in, more in the fifth round. So that blended ADP is pulling in some drafts that aren't the ones I'm sitting in. Is, is he worth a fifth round pick? Uh, I think this comes back to the conversation of what do you want to be doing in that round? Do you want to be taking running backs? Is he worth a fifth round pick at running back? Uh, yeah. Okay, let's, I think so. let, let me paint it like this. You got two running backs, two receivers in round five. You don't like mm-hmm. any of the tight ends there. The big, you know. I got you. I'm going running back or receiver. You're going uh, running back or receiver. You got two of each, and it's round five. Is Javante Williams, are you liking him there as your RB3? Or maybe you reached on a tight end. Maybe you took Waller in round two and a running back in round one, grabbed a couple receivers. Now it's round five, and you need an RB2. Is Javante Williams a guy you like? And if not, you know, just – to put it in perspective to you, let's talk a little bit about the running backs that might be there. I mean, you got guys like Kim sitting there. Maybe it's Travis Etienne. We talked about it a little bit ago. Uh, you know, I'm just trying to pull up the ADP as we speak. Mm-hmm. But as we look at that tier, you know, Daryl Henderson now suddenly in that tier uh, after the Cam Akers injury would be a good example. You're getting into uh, Mike Davis, maybe Kareem Hunt, Josh Jacobs. I mean, Javante Williams, to me, I know what a lot of those other guys are. There's this unknown factor that makes it like, ooh, this is sort of sexy. So 
in that fifth round spot where I went a QB or a tight end, got one running back, couple receivers. I need an RB two. Maybe it's an RB three, and I'm just building that. I get you probably liking better as an RB three. Can you count on him as an RB two if you're loaded with a with a Darren Waller at tight end? Who's going to get the touchdowns? Because Melvin Gordon has demanded the ball at the goal line and has scored essentially ten touchdowns every year. It's been more, it's been less, but it's been an average of about ten touchdowns every year for the last uh, near handful of seasons. So. What tells me that Melvin Gordon's not going to earn that right, keep that right? So if that's the case, how many touchdowns is Javante Williams getting? How many rushing touchdowns did the Denver Broncos score this year? I think he is worth an RB3 spot because I don't want him to be my RB2 on on draft on draft day because I don't want him to be in my starting lineup. That's where you offer me a guy like Jacobs or Hunt instead, and I'll take them because I know that Hunt, even though he's not the starter, has a role. And I know that Jacobs is the starter with a role, but maybe I'm wrong in that with Williams. I just worry about Gordon. As you said, there's no reason to get rid of him. And if this isn't the year for the Broncos, maybe it's not the year to get, get all the wear and tear on Javante Williams. Maybe you burn Melvin ground, Gordon into the ground before you move on. So I don't know. I'm a little reluctant there because I think Gordon's role is still a real factor. Well, here's the thing. If you try to per- go, let's say you go to that, I'll take a running back in round one and then punt it for a while. Mm-hmm. And let's say you got a sort of a back end of the round five. You got a pick. You take a Javante Williams. Then maybe you come back and uh, you add, let's say, uh, a, Ch- in, a Chase Edmonds as your RB three. Now you're coming back. Uh, you know, maybe a few. You know, in the next round, maybe you're looking at uh, just at the ADP. You got like Trey Sermon, Ronald Jones, Damian Harris, maybe even a Henderson at that spot. I mean. You can start putting those guys together. I mean, heck, I'm, I'm just named my Dream League, uh, our football. <laughs> I, I've got Camara as my RB1, and I've got Edmonds, Javante Williams, and Henderson sitting there, and they're all sort of in that tier of like, they're not really like lock RB2s, but you're hoping one of them emerges. Yeah, and you feel good about putting Edmonds in your starting lineup and seeing what Williams can give you yeah. in week one, so, I guess, is where I'm at. Yeah, and I think that's that. those are the type of running backs you end up with if you want to go with that theory, and uh, I think a lot of owners are testing that out in a few places, and Finally, they actually like their rosters if things work out right. But, you know, if there's suddenly a run on running backs or whatever position you're sort of waiting on, then you could left, uh, you know, with your sort of holding uh, is sort, sort of without a lot of things going on in, in production. Trey Sermon, another rookie that is warrants some pretty in-depth conversation, I think. The problem is in San Fran, there's so many freaking running backs. I mean, Jeff Wilson now is injured, so that's a good, that's one less. Tevin Coleman, he left, but you got Raheem Mostert still in the mix. They signed Wayne Gallman, Trey Sermon, obviously the rookie that they're enamored with. And they took another rookie that our guy, John Lobb, and I had him uh, on one of my podcasts, was basically before the drafts like, hey, this is my rookie sleeper. I love this running back, blah, blah, blah. And then he ends up in the San Francisco backfield. So it all boils down to touches. I expect Sermon to split the duty with Mostert. I think Sermon is a guy that uh, you can add right now as a bench piece that could end up being a league winner if things all break right, and especially if Mostert uh, gets hurt like he usually does. I think there's plenty of upside there, right? An offense that can be prolific at times. Uh, there were times where Garoppolo would get a lot of yards, didn't score touchdowns. That's because the running backs were finishing off those drives, scoring touchdowns. Sermon can be that guy. Um uh, I'm very interested in what happens under center because I think that does have a lot to do with Trey Sermon's value too. I mean, if Trey Lance is making athletic plays and taking up some of those rushing yards, that could hurt Sermon, but I'll agree to this. He goes to an offense where we've seen backs be very useful in fantasy, and he has a chance to be a great steal when he's being drafted in almost double-digit rounds. 
I'd say, you know, I don't have zero expectations early on, but I would definitely say it's a good lottery ticket wild card. Let's go through some other rookies here and just offer up some quick hits. Shuba, uh, Shuba Hubbard landed it in a pretty good spot there with Carolina. He's going to be the handcuff, obviously, to Christian McCaffrey. That turned into some fantasy production last year for Mike Davis when he went down. And Hubbard, for his part, rushed for 2,094 yards, 21 touchdowns for Oklahoma State back in 2019. Didn't look as good last year, but if McCaffrey goes down, I think he is somebody that will offer value, mostly a handcuff in season-long leagues. Kenneth Gainwell, another player here. Uh, I remember him at college with Memphis when he was on the team with Gibson. They actually thought enough of Gainwell. They put Gibson at receiver. And uh, Gainwell, you know, you're talking about a guy that combined for 2,609 combined yards two years ago as a runner who also caught those 51 receptions. I don't know. Philadelphia is an interesting backfield, James. Not, but a lot of people are talking about Gainwell right now. I mean, everybody's Miles Sanders. I know they got on Johnson and I mean Jordan Howard still in the. I mean, it's a mess. But I mean, Gainwell's forgotten. So I don't have a problem as a late round stab at him. What's your thoughts on the Patriots rookie Ramondre Stevenson? Well, I will say this um, quickly, just about uh, Gainwell. Can't trust that Philly backfield, so I'm not going to trust that either. Um, Stevenson, I mean, I still think, look, Sony Michelle's not gone yet, right? He hasn't been cut from the team yet. We haven't seen uh, we haven't seen Harris go anywhere either. So for this year, I mean, how many backfield? It's already New England. It's already been a, hey, which back do you want to go to? And now, I mean, I don't know. You're still also going to have uh, dump-offs out of the backfield that are going to go to White. So I don't know, man. Like, my thoughts this year, I'm not really, I'm not really getting involved just yet. Yeah, it's understandable there. Let's move on to receivers. We continue with Dan Claskins, James Adams here on our Fantastics Insider Football Show. It's a brand new podcast. You can listen to it at insiderfootball.com anytime you want while you're there. You go check out a free trial, the Insider Football uh, tool to help you win. The Fantastics Draft Advisor we will be having the podcast and more updates on it throughout the year. So you want to follow us at Fantastics on Twitter as well. But James, let's move along to the receivers and uh, the lots of them to get to. So we'll be a little more quick moving here. Let's start with the guy in, that our hometown team, the Bengals, drafted with the fifth pick overall. And I know, I know, I know you want a penny soul, penny soul, and you know the offensive line. And I'm not even going to start that argument here. That's but fair. just in terms of the fantasy outlook of Jamar Chase here in 2021, reunited with his college quarterback, Joe Burrow, what do you think of it? You've got to believe that the connection is there immediately. This was, I mean, this is the guy that Burrow won the championship with, not Justin Jefferson. I mean, Justin Jefferson too. But right, this was the guy. So I am very excited to see what can, can come about. We'll forget about protecting him if Joe Burrow stays up. Jamar Chase, I mean, you got to believe that he has the upside to be a wide receiver too in fantasy as rookie year, if not more. Yeah. I mean, Chase, I mean, here's a guy that, uh, I mean, just, just has the attitude, but also backs it up with his play, right? I mean, the 20 touchdowns, the last time the two played together, I like him. He averaged over 21 yards per catch in that season. And I think he's a back-end wide receiver, too. It's exactly where we're projecting him inside of our Fantastics Draft Advisor. 77 catches, 1,111 yards, six touchdowns. I'm all in on that. Uh, I'm all in on Jamar Chase. Let's go on down the list. Jalen Waddle with the Dolphins. We talked about Miami and that receiving core a little bit when we talked about Will Fuller in episode one of our podcast here. Um, but I don't know. Waddle's interesting. I mean, some people think he was better than his college teammate, Devontae Smith, who won the Heisman. Um, 
you know, Tua Tagovailoa is a player that uh, obviously, uh, like Chase and Burrow, there's some chemistry here with that. I think long term the connection is going to be good here. I just, you know, the passing game, all the, the, what the Dolphins I expect them to do, it's just not as it doesn't have the upside of Chase. I don't think he's good as players, Chase. But do you like Waddle better than Devontae Smith, who played with him in Alabama, but now finds his home in Philadelphia? How are you viewing both of these rookies here in in their first season? I mean, I was definitely more interested in uh, in Smith before today, but if I'm not mistaken, just today there was news of a, of an MCL sprain with him. So I, I don't know. I don't I don't like that Miami passing offense right now. I want to see more from Tua, and we only saw part of it last year. Now Miami defense played so good that sometimes we didn't need to see Tua do everything. And maybe it's going to come to fruition that all the other receivers are just kind of going to go by the wayside and Waddle will be the last man standing. I mean, Preston Williams has been hurt in the past. William Fuller, duh, we already know about that one. Parker coming back from injury. So Waddle could end up being the last man standing and being a big piece. But, you know, if if we progress through training camp and it looks like Smith's going to be fine, which, I mean, who knows right now, I would still say Smith is the guy I want. Yeah, I mean, Smith, everybody makes a big deal about his size and frame. That doesn't really concern me. And you're speaking of the injury, and it is an MCL injury, but they're only saying two to three weeks. So Adam Schefter uh, tweeting out there, listed as week to week. Obviously, missing any time as a uh, rookie is not good. Not great. But if that two to three week time frame does hold up, this is a guy that should at least be healthy for week one. So it could mean Mm -hmm. a little bit of a slower start, but... I'm not prepared to drop him too far down in the rankings at this point with what looks like just a sprain. But injury aside, uh, Waddle versus Smith, at least in terms of which one's a better fantasy asset for this season, it's clearly Smith for me. It's clearly Mm -hmm. Smith for the Fantastics draft advisor. And I mean, Smith is a player that uh, I get it. He's only 170 pounds. And when you really think about that, here's a little nugget. Only four other receivers under 180 pounds have been selected in the first round this century, and none of them hit it big. Uh, Ted Ginn, among those names, Tavon Austin, and Marquise Brown. So, Book's still out on Brown. Book is still out on Brown. And, you know, when it's a name like Hollywood, you would expect that maybe there's an exciting finish. There's an exciting finish ahead. Uh, (laughs) But... I don't know. I, I'm not as worried about Smith's size. I think that, that he's going to fit well in this offense. I think they're going to utilize him well, assuming that this is just a mild sprain and you know he's at least healthy for week one. Maybe he's a little behind the playbook or whatever, but this is a guy that's got a pretty good uh, record for his work ethic and what he puts into things. Very precise route running. His stop-start ability, I mean, it reminds me of Isaac Bruce back in the day with the Rams. That's what I like about him. Fantastics. Definitely not altering its projection just yet on it on Devontae Smith. We view him as a back-end wide receiver three inside the draft advisor. 66 catches, 912 yards, six touchdowns. So you're talking about a guy, though, that is basically getting drafted at, at where we think his production will be. So there's not any value in Devontae Smith. There could be value in Waddle. And, I mean, the problem is, is we're projecting, you know, eight less catches. Really, the projection's pretty similar. I mean, it's a handful of yards. It's really just about eight less receptions, maybe one less touchdown. So they're really in this big tier. Mm-hmm. I think long-term, if I'm in Dynasty, Waddle's the player I'm more interested in. And I think part of this, too, is I just got questions about Tua Tagovailoa. I mean, I, I'm projecting 
him to to you know make some a little bit of progress this season. But with as many weapons as they have, it remains to be seen. Let's go on to the next couple receivers on the list and talk about uh, Elijah Moore with the Jets next up here. And we hit a lot on the Jets with when we were talking about Zach Wilson and sort of you know their mode here. But James, I got to tell you. This rookie is is one that has opened my eyes before the draft came in as a guy like, okay, uh, he's a guy that definitely is, and I'm an SEC football fan, so I got to see a little bit more of him and some of these other guys on this list. But, I mean, you look at what he did. I mean, he coming from Mississippi. I mean, following in the footsteps of D.K. Metcalf and A.J. Brown, he basically – just carried that torch and went right on with it. 153 catches, 2,043 yards, 14 touchdowns over the last two years. And one of those seasons obviously shortened, but uh, I don't know. He doesn't have the size. I mean, he's smaller than those guys, but uh, I definitely think he's going to be a good fit with the Jets. I expect him to be a type of guy. You run in a league where you could start four receivers, let's say, or maybe a couple flexes. You're going to use Elijah more in your starting lineup and some of the right matchups right out of the gate here. A lot of it will depend on the play of his rookie quarterback. What's your take on the Giants on the other side of town where they also spent a first-round pick or a pretty high draft pick on a receiver and landing Kadarius Toney there with the Giants in, in a receiving core that is pretty deep in town in its own right? You know, I think Tony's probably going to be a project, so when you're talking about this season, I'm not particularly excited about him because – Look, they went and got Kenny Galladay. They're going to be a lot more interested in getting him the football. As Kadarius Tony continues to develop, that's the timetable for when Saquon Barkley is going to be getting more and more involved in the offense. And then it's not like they don't have Slayton Shepard still on the roster. And they've got a tight end with a measurable upside that just hasn't quite found its way. Where does Kadarius Tony fit into that? So if you're talking about this year, I mean, he, to me, is not a guy I'm drafting at all. I can't see myself drafting him even in a 20-man league, um, being a 20-round 20, 20 draft, I should say. I just don't see the upside there. Fair enough. Uh, some other names to keep on your list. Uh, we definitely want to keep our eyes on what's going on with Rashad Bateman. Many thought he was one of the better players in the class. Of course, he ends up in Baltimore. We know no team passes fewer over the last couple of years than the Ravens, so not a great landing spot. I like Rondale more with the Cardinals. I think he, you know, he is a player that could definitely uh, coming out of the Big Ten with the success he had there. I, I think he could really emerge in this offense. Some think that outside of DeAndre Hopkins, he becomes a wide receiver too by the end of this season. So we'll see what's up with that. Amon Ross, St. Brown, because with the Lions, there are no receivers. When Tyler Williams and Brashard Perryman are your top two wideouts on the depth chart, there's good opportunity there. And one of my favorite sleepers in the class, Terrence Marshall of the Panthers reunited with Joe Brady, the guy that called the plays. We talked about that Joe Burrow team and Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. Well, Terrence Marshall was also on that team. So he's got a history of injuries. But of all the receivers in this class, this is the one guy, if you looked at him in a line of players, you're like, oh, man, that dude looks like an NFL receiver. He's got the size, man. And I, I, the early word is out of Carolina camp, he's got the early track to start week one in that slot slot. So filling in there where, you know, is – taking over Curtis Samuel's spot in that offense potentially. So those are names to keep our eyes on. But let's end it, James, with the biggest name in the class, perhaps, when the dust settles. We're not going to talk about rookie tight ends because we're talking 21-21 impact, with the exception of the guy that went fourth over on the draft, Kyle Pitts, selected higher and earlier than any tight end in the history of the draft. It's easy to see why. 
I mean, you put his size, his speed, his quickness, 12 TDs in eight games at Florida last year, got six, six and runs a, under a four five. I mean, it's just not right. Um, he deserves the hype to be drafted this high, but man, that hype train's rolling fast in fantasy. Is James Adams hop, hopping on it? No, I mean, I'm looking at a blended ADP in the mid to late fifth round and I am not jumping on that. Um, cause frankly, I'll just wait and get in my guy Dallas Goddard like a, ra- a couple rounds later. I think the ceiling for Kyle Pitts in year one is fulfilling where you drafted him while the floor is much lower than that. I mean, he deserves to be one of the top picks in a dynasty league. Hell, in a tight end premium, he could be the first pick, even out of Lawrence. Maybe not, but you get the idea. He's in that conversation. But for this year, I just don't see – I don't see him returning a value above what his ADP is. Give me a receiver or a running back there and let me go get my tight end either earlier, probably more than likely later. But I do like, I mean, I'm, you know, they're saying already that he's lining up in different spots inside, outside slot. So it's not as if he's going to be just lined up as the the guy outside the offensive tackle every time. He's going to be dynamic. He's going to be more receiver than he is tight end. I just don't know that. I mean, do you think he's got an upside that fulfills that draft spot? No, I think you hit it right on the head. He's being drafted at his ceiling. Do I think he can hit that ceiling? Yes. Yeah, um, but that's the ceiling. Yeah, we'll see. Time will tell. I'm looking forward to watching him. I know that. For sure. And uh, I'm looking forward to doing more podcasts with you, James. Believe it or not, we've hit all the rookies <laughs> I wanted to on my list. We're already two episodes down on the new Fantastics Insider Football Show. It's a podcast. You want to subscribe wherever you listen. We'll be out in those feeds soon. In the meantime, you can catch us anytime at insiderfootball.com. Of course, that's also where you can get a free trial of the Fantastics Draft Advisor. Check it out. Be sure to follow us on social media, Facebook and at Twitter on Fantastics there. Because we're going to be live streaming as we get closer to the season. More announcements on that. Big things ahead. We're happy to be here. James, I guess I'll see you on Saturday morning when we back on this week. Uh, we're on every weekend. 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Fantastics Insider Football. It's been lots of fun, my friend. Can't wait to do it again. Until next time, we'll catch you around. Thanks for listening. Uh, when we come back for Episode 3, we're going to talk Draft Advisor versus ADP. We talked about few of those values today. We'll tell you players that are overvalued and undervalued according to our draft advisor. And that could be the difference in you getting stuck with ones you don't want or getting those sleepers and those value picks. It could help you win the league. So tune back in for that. We'll be back with much more. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Fantastics Insider Football Show. We'll see you next time.